so stressed over the, and we walk him through it one Friday night that, you know, God's forgiveness is for everyone. And, Mm -hmm. and it's nothing that you have to do. You just have to be willing to give him yourself and, and he'd get it for a minute or two. And then the next Friday night, we'd have to go through that whole process again. It Mm -hmm. took quite a while for him to really understand God's love. This is Camus. And this is Kylie. Welcome to God is Real, God is Good, a podcast where we collect stories about God working in people's lives through big, miraculous ways, all the way down to small, everyday things. Hi, everybody. It's Camus. And this week we have Vinny with us. Um, Last week you heard Bill's episode, so this is Vinny's wife. I'm not sure if you heard her, but she was prompting him along to share his testimony, so we appreciated that. Um, So, Vinny have some stories for us to share about some small groups you did so let's pray and then I will let you share that story okay dear father in heaven just be with us today thank you for Vinny's willingness to share her testimony please give us as the listeners the ears to listen and to learn the lessons that you have for us today and be with Vinny as she shares the story lord that you give her the words to speak in Jesus name we pray amen amen well to start out I think I'd like to explain you know the setting we had Three children that, you know, Bill helped me raise my children as we talked about um, the fact that it was our second marriage. And two of them had left the home, and we still had one, or the youngest daughter, at home. And she had become pregnant at 16, had a baby at 17. And so her little boy, Dominic, was in the home. Oh, fun. Yeah, so we, we, we fell in love with him. He was our, our joy. He was grandpa's boy for sure. And anyway, we did a lot of the raising of him. So we, but we were very busy. Bill and I worked in a town next to where we were living in Tualatin and our, our, both of our work was close enough that we could carpool. And we would both be to work by 630 in the morning. So he dropped me off at my spot and he'd go up the road a bit and, and go to work, and but we, and then he'd pick me up in the afternoon, and we'd have that time to have conversations with each other. Which you know, sometimes life is so busy that there isn't a lot of time of just having a conversation with your husband or your spouse and talking about what's going on with them and oh, yeah. and what your desires are, and and so that was a privilege I felt to be able to carpool, and we had. Felt like we were pretty active in our church. Bill held several offices. I, w- I held offices at the church, and we were very busy. We Again, we worked nine-hour days, five days a week, and very active in our church. And yet there was something missing in my, ho- in my life. I felt there was something missing. Let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. I wanted something more. It just felt so mundane. We were doing going through the same actions day in and day out, and... And so we were talking about that, and the Lord started waking me up at 3.30 in the morning. Oh, goodness. And I thought, Lord, I get up early. <laughs> Is 3.30 really the time I'm supposed to be getting up? And So I didn't get up the first day, but the second day, he woke me up at the same time, 3.30 in the morning. Hmm. I said, okay, I'll get out of bed. I'm not sleeping anyway. So I started my spiritual walk with him at 3.30 in the morning for a while, and he taught me a lot of things. Um, out of the Word, and, and I was reading uh, a book that we had recently gone to this fellow's seminar, and so I bought all three of his books, 
his name was Dennis Smith, and one of the books was on the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And, you know, a lot of Bible texts in there, and I was reading that, and I thought, you know, this is really amazing. And his faith was so great, and the way he wrote his book was so understandable. It wasn't highfalutin in any way. It was just very down-to-earth, and he told about his wife having a kidney disease and she was on her deathbed basically and he prayed for her and she prayed and they prayed her back to health i mean the wow. lord just cre- you know he shared that miracle in the book and mm-hmm. thought there is power in this isn't there and you know i just was hungry for this kind of thing and and um i can remember one morning sitting there at my kitchen table and reading and studying and and the the power of the Holy Spirit just came over me, just flooded me. I was like, I just had this incredible emotional hit, it seemed like. I know we're not supposed to be all emotional, but this was so real and this was so powerful that I thought, oh, thank you, Lord, I, I really needed this. And I know you're with me and I, I feel like you've filled me with your spirit and I want to move forward and do something for you. And And so we got to talking about the fact that we should do something outside of church yeah we do something in our own home and so we decided friday nights were the perfect opportunity the best evening of the week to ask some people in to study with us so bill committed and um my daughter dg who was working at nordstrom's at sd lauder counter committed to coming and she was about 21 at that time i think Mm -hmm. something like that so our first meeting, we had talked it up at, at church and told everybody that we had, probably in our Sabbath school class or wherever we shared it, that we were going to start this Friday night meeting, and we invited people. And So the first night came along, and it was so exciting. We kept anticipating someone would come and show up, and yeah. no one came. No Aww. one came at all, except for DG, my daughter, and Bill and I, and so we met that first night, and we... We we were disappointed to be, yeah, you know, fors- you know, forsaken by all of our friends, but that's okay. We thought, you know what, we're going to continue this on. God has a plan, and uh, the next Sabbath, the next week at church, we had a couple say, you know what, we're committing to coming on Friday night. We'd like to do that with you, mm. and we said, well, our intent is to have a few church members. And our focus is going to be inviting your friends that are non-church members, yeah. someone that you can share the love of Jesus with and come and study in a, a safe environment. And they said, okay, we got this. And so they came the next week, and then slowly but surely, there were people that started coming that were non-Adventists and mm-hmm. non-church people. The first person that came, actually our pastor introduced us to, and we had been introduced to him on Wednesday night. We were going to his uh, prayer study, our pastor's prayer study on Wednesday night, and he says, I have a fellow coming tonight that I want you to meet. He says he needs to be involved with you guys on your Friday night meeting, and so we met this fellow. He He was young. I think he may have been around 24 at the time. His name was Mark. And he had been raised by a mom who had been in the church, but uh, kind of a nominal uh, Christian, Mm. Um, you know. 
she had three boys that she was raising by herself. And so Mark had that experience growing up with kind of in and out of the church. And and now he was on his own and he was living in a a boarding, a dog boarding place in an upstairs apartment that they had there as the night watchman. And he had fallen into gambling and fallen into drinking a lot and he wasted a lot of money and wasted a lot of time and he was feeling very depressed and in fact before he talked to our pastor he'd ca- he'd reached out to the pastor and said you know I'm I'm like suicidal I don't know what to do with myself and mm-hmm. so that's when our pastor decided he needed to be involved in our group and so Mark started coming and he shared and he shared and he shared some more he really was hungry to be with people that would just listen and understand his position and what was going on with him. And he just was so hungry for the word, and we had a good time with Mark. And, and it wasn't long before he had met a gal. He had actually walked into Starbucks one day getting a Starbucks coffee, and <laughs> the gal in front of him, and there was a whole line of people there in busy Portland, and he he kind of got acquainted with her. She was very outgoing, and and he just thought to himself, you know what? I just feel like I'm going to really get acquainted with this gal, and I'm going to marry this this woman. <laughs> and he just felt that from the first time he met her. And so he brought Sarah to our small group. And Sarah had an unusual personality. She was very flamboyant, talkative kind of gal, and very accepting. Um, her background was Catholic religion, and she was very involved in her church. She was writing the newsletter for one of the larger districts of the Catholic faith there in Portland, and she started coming to our Bible studies, and and she started sharing with us. She says, yeah, I'm interjecting Bible texts in my newsletters, (laughs) and we were all sort of like, oh, I wonder how that's going to go over, and uh, sure enough, she got kind of slammed down for for sharing too many Bible texts in her newsletter. Oh, goodness. Yeah, they told her she couldn't do that. But anyway, she was so fun to be around, and there was, so there was Mark and Sarah that came, and then we had another couple that we met at church that had come to a, an evangelistic series. They were both former church members, but had a, they had strayed for many, many years mm. and had been into alcohol and drugs and, and quite yeah. the life. The, uh, Dave the, was a meth addict. Yeah, Dave, the husband, he was a meth addict, actually, for years years and years. And Mm. so we said, you know, we'd love to have you over Friday night. And it was at that point, the Lord impressed me that, you know, everybody's lives are super busy. Oh, yeah. And to have people come to a Friday night study time, it's going to be a lot more inviting for them if they had a meal to come to first. Mm. So I was impressed about that time to, to do that, to start saying, hey, you know, I'm providing the meal, come and have dinner with us, and then we're going to do a study afterwards. So at that point, we had a lot more people attending. But um, I wanted to talk about Dave and Darlene a little bit. So they started coming, and Dave, he was searching, and he had told his story to us about how he was a meth addict, and yet he was a very um, successful rock and roll band leader. He, he, Hmm. He led the band. He was the lead singer, he was the lead guitarist, and, and he coordinated everything. Yeah. And he, he was very successful at it, and he had done that for many, many years. 
So I don't really uh, remember what at what point he decided he had to get out of that. Do you, do you want to interject? Well, he just started remembering when he was, when he was younger, and he, his life was going nowhere the way it was. Yeah. And so God he, he st- came started out, he, talking to him. I he'd think. been in trouble. He'd been in in and out of jail there. Yes. And anyway, um. <laughs> he came with a. He didn't feel like he could be accepted. That he'd gone way too far, and yeah. so we'd stay up till one, two in the morning with him sometimes. He he was a basket case. Yeah, he was just so, so stressed over the. And he, we walk him through it one Friday night that. You know, God's forgiveness is for everyone, and mm-hmm. and it's nothing that you have to do. You just have to be willing to give Him yourself, and and He'd get it for a minute or two, and then the next Friday night we'd have to go through that whole process again. It mm-hmm. took quite a while for Him to really understand God's love and that He yeah. accepted Him, that God loved Him. Anyway, we did did a lot of studying on that, and He got baptized eventually, um, but before. He got baptized. There, were, there. He brought a, a friend by the name of Gordon, and Gordon, um, and he had met at a voting booth there in Beaverton area and gotten acquainted. And they'd done that several times. Whatever. I don't know how county many times. Ballots. The county counting ballots. Is that what they were doing? And so they they were pretty well acquainted. And so Dave invited Gordon to our small group. Mm-hmm. And Gordon had a friend that he brought and. Gordon told us his story. So Gordon's story, he was an older fellow at that time. He was probably, I don't know, 60-ish, somewhere in there. He he shared a story that he had been in a very serious car accident. He'd had a family and two girls and a wife, and he was driving, and um, a big semi-truck, I think, hit them. Hmm. He was the only survivor in the oh. accident. And from that point on, he just he could hardly navigate. He he became an alcoholic, couldn't forgive himself, you know, took on the blame of of the death of his family and yeah. he was a wretched mess. And so he shared his story and he too had a hard time, but eventually, you know, we studied God's love over and over and over and he accepted it and he too wanted to give his life and become a, a Christian. And so yeah. these, there was Dave and, and Mark and Gordon and Sarah. Sarah. All were baptized on the same day. And Aww. that was a very high moment for us for yeah. bringing them that far. And so at that, yeah, we, we decided, you know, we had a solid group now and we we felt like we needed an outreach. And so I, I uh, brought in a book to have a study. I led the group, by the way, in the evening. I, I prepared the mo- meal, and I also led this the, the small group. So I got to, I got to choose what we studied. And the <laughs> next book we opened up was a Dwight Nelson book about Isaiah fifty eight and the mm. fast I have for you. And and it it wasn't about the fast of the Sabbath and and all of that. It was about the fast of um, reaching out and helping others in need, and mm-hmm. read the read the whole chapter. It's a great chapter. So the group decided we did need an outreach, and they every week I said, "Well, what we need to do is let's put a little box of offering box out here, 
and you can discreetly put your money in the box. It just had a slit in it. Nobody could tell what anybody else put in. And, and we're going to gather a little money, and we're going to figure out a project. Well, I had a sister-in-law that was very um, good friends with a social worker in Portland. And so she gave me the number to Dina, and I called Dina, and I said, you know, we've got this group of people that are very willing and happy to do some sort of outreach. Mm -hmm. So she came to our small group to kind of meet us and see what we were all about. And she must have approved us because she gave me a call, call that week. And she said, yeah, I've got a project for you. Mm. And it happened to be an 11-story building downtown Portland that they would allow, I don't know how the system worked exactly. I didn't get into the detail with Dina, but they would take street people and allow them to come in and live in this building. They'd give them a stipend enough to get their toiletries and things like that purchased. Yeah. And But on a 30-day basis where they had to pass an inspection. Oh. Uh, yeah. And so she said, I would love it if you would come down and, and um, see what you could do with some of the people here and just interact with them. And we promised Dina that we would not you know, preach to them or anything like that. It wasn't about, you know, whacking them over the head with the Bible or yeah. anything like that. And we were just going down there to love on them. And she said it would be fine if we sang. And so Dave, being a rock star prior to, he, he now was our praise uh, lead team singer and guitarist. <laughs> so we'd go down and in the lobby of this building, we would sing to the people that lived there. And they loved it. They'd come and, boy, if we didn't show up on time, they'd get a little <laughs> perturbed with us. But, um, we'd go down there and sing on Saturday afternoons. Mm. But we'd also spend some time in their rooms and showed them and brought them cleaning materials and things and showed them, you know, how to take care of their place. Because if you've lived on the street most of your life, you really had no one to show you what it is like to keep a place. Mm. And so that was kind of part of our to-dos, and we'd bring them groceries, and we'd share with them just our day, and sometimes I would cut their hair, mm -hmm. um, clip their toenails, or play cards with them. Bill played cribbage with them, and and just just loved on them, mm -hmm. showed them Jesus' love in, in any way that we could. And it was a very fun outreach for everybody. I think we all grew and, and experienced great joy in, in the time that we spent with the people in that building. Yeah. And one Christmas, I have to tell you, it was Christmas time, and Christmas Eve was on Friday that year, New Year, Christmas Eve. And so we said, we're going to come down on Christmas Eve, and we're going to have a big party. And so we we decided at the church that we were attending that we, were, we would share this opportunity with them for them to um, present to these people groceries. So people were bringing groceries to church for this party, this Christmas party. And we had a whole van full of groceries that we took down. Plus, of course, we had... Like a semi-truck van. Yeah, it was really big. Oh, wow. And, uh, of course, we put a spread on, too, of goodies mm -hmm. for Christmas. And we sang and sang and sang Christmas carols that evening. And it, we did sort of a candlelight thing. And the, the people were just so impressed and so happy and and a lot of them told us this was the best Christmas they'd ever had actually and Aww. it was just pretty amazing. So that's about all I have to share. <laughs> well, thank you. I like that. I think it 
it kind of reminds you me of like Jesus's ministry, you know, like so often he did talk to massive crowds, but in the reality was, was like he had his 12 that were mm-hmm. very close to him. And like, mm-hmm. those were the people that he really poured time and energy mm-hmm. and love into too. Because like, it's so hard when you're like, oh, I have these 5,000 people I need to reach or, you know, however mm-hmm. big your city is, like especially yeah, Portland. Yeah. But, like, to just start with your friends or just start with the people around you and just work on loving them and showing them that you care about them and yeah. sitting up with them and being like, no, God does love you. Let's mm-hmm. go through the Bible again. Yeah. Because, like, that's where it really counts mm-hmm. is that one-on-one, that relationship mm-hmm. when they can see, oh, you do care about me. You're putting time yeah, in. That's You're right. putting effort. The time involved, yeah. We actually... Uh, one of the, Mark, it, it was actually Mark, the one that was going to commit suicide and got baptized. Mm-hmm. He worked down in Wilsonville at a car dealership. And mm-hmm. he worked with a fellow down there that he kept talking about our group and stuff. And anyway, this fellow had a stroke and he ended up in rehab. And he had been a member, a faithful member of the biggest Protestant church in the whole Portland area. And nobody had come to see him at all. Mm. And so Mark brought that to our group, and we prayed about it, and we decided, you know what? He can't come to church. We'll take church to him. And we couldn't do it on Sabbath because our Sabbaths were full, they were completely full. full. Mm. And so we told him we'll be over on Sunday. And before it was over there, we had people with violins coming, and, and we had church service for him on Sunday. But not only him, but everybody that was living in the uh in the rehab center there too. So, wow. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like when God puts that in, like need upon your heart, or like he opens the doors he does. and you're like, he does. yeah, Lord, I'm going to take this time because like, like you're saying, everybody's busy. This world is like so chaotic. There's always mm-hmm. stuff happening. But when you like invest your time into someone, then that's when they really know that you care about mm-hmm. them because, like, you're taking time out of your day to go yeah. spend with them. Yeah, it's, it's a real thing. Yeah. That's what kind of happened with our group there. This group, I mean, there, there was 11 stories. There was a lot of people. And when Vinny says they were up, they would sit there and wait for us in that lobby just to get there. Aww. And if we were a little bit late, they were, they wanted their full, <laughs> their time. But they had one fellow there, when you get a bunch of people that really have been, just been nobody responsible to nobody, uh, there was a fellow there named Jim who kind of became the spokesman for the group or the, the, the watchman for the whole group, make sure nothing went wrong. Mm-hmm. He had threats, uh, but not, not terribly bad. But he was, he was the guy that you wanted to stay in good with. And he actually came up to our house in Kettle Falls after we moved for a while, uh, He'd come up there to help quit smoking. But he came to me one time. We were there, and he says, Bill, he says, you and your group, you are so devious. (laughs) Oh, Jim, no, no. We've been trying so hard to just love you and care for you there. I didn't tell him that. I said, I am so sorry, Jim, if I've done anything wrong there. He says, no, no, I don't mean that. He says, we've had church groups come down here before. Mm-hmm. And they'd bring all their pamphlets and their literature. And if we didn't act the way they wanted us to act or we didn't act like we were interested, they would just leave and go somewhere. Mm. He says, I always get emotional when I say that. He says, you guys came down here without 
pamphlets and without literature. He says, you just came down here and loved us. Mm. And he says, you just wore, you just warmed yourself right into our hearts. Mm-hmm. And, and we, you know, we were sure these, these people would, these people were coming, coming to church and not always smelling so good there or yeah. anything like that. Mm-hmm. The one guy that Benny had, mm. worked, and I don't want to take much of your time, but I'll just say, Norman, mm. who you worked on his feet, he had the most ugly feet because he was diabetic and stuff, and mm. Benny would be up there rubbing his feet and all of that. He had never, I don't think he ever, he was a really strange guy, but I mean, anyway, he had this beautiful bass voice. Oh, he could sing. Oh, like he had a beautiful voice. And he, Became a choir member at church. He was a baritone. Yeah, it it just projected. I mean, he had volume galore. He'd fallen out of a. He yeah, he'd fallen out of a second story window as a child. He was only just a toddler. Landed on concrete. Oh my goodness! So he had some brain damage. But some of these people we met, like one fellow there, he had owned a like a 500 or a 1,000 acre ranch over in eastern Oregon. Oh, yeah, I forgot about him. Yeah. And he had everything going for him, and he got cancer. And by the mm. time he went through all these cancer treatments, he had lost everything, everything he had, owned. everything, and he ended on the streets in Portland. And, mm. and he was an artist. He was an artist, and yeah. And he would paint you pictures yeah. and things. Yeah. Mm. It kind of reminds me of that poem they wrote of, like, America, you know, give me your poor hungry mm. masses but more in the context of Christianity, you know, bring your broken, bring your addicts, bring the poor hungry masses, because everyone's searching for love, Mm -hmm. and that's what brings them to God in the first place. We all want to be loved. We all want that connection. And when people take the time out of their day to just love you Mm -hmm. and to just build community with you and not shove Jesus down your throat, Mm -hmm. you learn to love those people. And then you're like, oh, what's what's the God that you serve? Because that's a... Because you love me, mm-hmm. so maybe your God will love me too. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's beautiful. Thank <laughs> you guys for sharing that. That's like It reminds me of that verse in James, um, true Christianity is to visit mm-hmm. the orphans and the widows. Mm-hmm. I think that's in James. Mm-hmm. It is. And, you know, the homeless aren't the orphans and the widows, but mm-hmm. some of them are. And yeah. it's that same concept of give those time, love the outcasts, because it's gonna. it's such a big ministry, you know. It is. Well, thank you, Vinny and Bill. I really appreciate what you guys had to share. That's that's really cool that God was able to bless you, giving you this ministry and to be able to reach out and help others. It was a blessing to me, too. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you. <laughs> and tune in next week for Kylie recording somebody else. Bye. If you've enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to follow, share, like, and review. Also, you can contact us at our Facebook page. That is God is Real, God is Good podcast. Or you can email us at God is Real, God is Good podcast at gmail.com. Bye. Bye.